بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيد المرسلين وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين أما بعد This is to continue with the advices of Imam Harith Al-Muhasibi He says وَعْلَمْ أَنَّهُ كَمَا لَا يُغْنِي ضَوْءُ النَّهَارِ الْأَعْمَى كَذَلِكَ لَا يُضِيءُ بِنُورِ الْعِلْمِ إِلَّا أَهْلُ التُّقَى He says you need to know and understand that just as the brightness of the day does not enrich the blind person the blind person generally speaking does not become any more enriched during the day than at night time kadhalika la yudhi'u binuri al-ilmi illa ahlu at-tuqa similarly it's only the people of taqwa and god-fearingness that gain light and become illuminated by the light of ilm and knowledge there's nothing wrong with studying a lot of knowledge you can never have too much knowledge of the sacred you can we can always have too much knowledge of the excess and the useless and that which is not really to our benefit just surfing all day and reading consuming data with to which there's no end to be honest these days we can keep going on and reading and reading and listening and watching and so on and so forth there's no end to that sacred knowledge we can go on learning and learning but if we want that knowledge to benefit us the sacred sacred knowledge that we get then what it requires is the taqwa and the god-fearingness for that knowledge to become applicable and for it to make sense and for it to be operationalized in our life applicable in our life otherwise it'll just become knowledge and then what happens is that with that knowledge because we're not putting it into motion it makes us more arrogant because we're not calmed uh, by our taqwa and our God-fearingness so we think the knowledge is going to do X, Y and Z things for us so it becomes like a fitna for us so rather than that Learn your knowledge, but also we need to work on our taqwa. Insha'Allah, that's why we are here for, and we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for taqwa. <coughs> then he says, وَكَمَا أَنَّ الْمَيِّتْ لَا يَنْفَعُهُ الدَّوَاءُ كَذَلِكَ لَا يُفِيدُ الْأَدَبُ فِي أَهْلِ الدَّعْوَةِ And just as medicine cannot benefit the dead, once a person has, de- has died, then there's no point applying medicine or getting him to ingest medicine or putting medicine on or ointments on he says likewise anybody who just claims has too many claims and no substance then adab is not going to benefit him and etiquette is not going to benefit that person because their claims don't allow them to benefit from the adab and then وَكَمَا لَا يُنْبِتُ الْوَابِلُ الصَّفَى كَذَلِكَ لَا تُثْمِرُ الْحِكْمَةُ بِقَلْبِ مُحِبِّ الدُّنْيَا Ya Allah Just like rain 
is not going to cause anything to grow on a large clean rock because there's nothing for it to grow when rain comes then it allows seeds to germinate where there's soil and earth but a rock there's nothing that's going to grow on there so just as that's completely useless and it won't benefit from the rain in fact it will wear it away likewise wisdom is not going to create any flowers or fruits is not going to cause any fruits to grow in the heart of a lover of the dunya a lover of the dunya can't gain hikmah even if he tries to gain wisdom from others then there's no benefit because the love of the dunya is just too powerful he can't put the wisdom into motion of course you can say there's worldly wisdom but this is not talking about just worldly wisdom this is talking about wisdom and prudence for the sake of the hereafter even though it's related to this dunya so there's a spiritual wisdom we're speaking about here Whoever becomes very obsessed with his desires, with his fancies and whims, then his adab will decrease. Because, I mean, whims and fancies, we're talking about negative ones clearly. If we're talking about positive, good types of uh, desires, to want to do good, then they're not normally called desires because generally when you use the word hawa, it refers to negative desires, evil desires, egotistic desires, bad desires. So anybody who becomes too engrossed uh, and obsessed by them, then their adab is going to decrease because love of things blind us from observing etiquette of others. So the adab will decrease because of that. Then he says, وَمَنْ خَالَفَ الدَّلَالَةَ عِلْمِهِ كَثُرَ جَهْلُهُ Allahu Akbar Whoever opposes the indication of his knowledge Meaning whatever knowledge we have and it tells us to do one thing and not the other and we go against that Then that's going to increase their ignorance That's going to increase their ignorance That's why a few points Malik ibn Dinar once said to Hassan al-Basri, what is, the, what is the punishment of the alim, the knower? Now, when we say alim, it doesn't have to mean somebody who's formally completed a course. That's where our mind generally goes, right? He's a scholar. Of course, they have a bigger responsibility, but here an alim would refer to anybody with any amount of knowledge. Everybody is an alim according to their level of knowledge. Right? Everybody is a knower according to their level of what they know. So everybody is an alim of one sort. Right? Of course, the more you have, the bigger the responsibility. So Malik ibn Dinar said to Hassan al-Basri that what is the punishment of an alim if he loves the dunya, if he loves it too much? qalbi. He says the death of the heart. It's as simple as that. It's the death of the heart. Because when a person begins to love the dunya, then eventually he's going to use, he's going to start seeking it more because you want to seek more of it. The dunya will all never satisfy you, will never get satisfied with the dunya. So you want to try new and new and new, looking for better pastures. So because of that, they may also end up trying to attain it with those things that should have been reserved for the akhirah, purely for the akhirah. And you know, that is so easy to do. 
It's so easy to do. You learn knowledge, right? And you become maybe very good at a certain subject or something like that. And then people want to maybe pay you or hire you for your knowledge. And then you start focusing on the money part of it. Whereas when you actually studied initially, you just wanted to serve the community. Then there's many types of justifications that are provided uh, to oneself and by others sometimes that, well, you need to survive, you need to live your life, you need to, you know, do X, Y, and Z. So that's why it's completely fine. And then it becomes very difficult to keep your intention clean as to why I'm doing it. And that's the difficulty. La ilaha illallah. And then he says, Woman lam yanfa'uhu dawa'uhu kayfa yudawi ghayrahu. Whoever cannot benefit, uh, whoever's medicine does not benefit himself, then how can he benefit other people? How can he cure other people? How can he provide medicine to other people? Allah forgive us. So then. Malik ibn Din, sorry, Malik ibn Din, I'm going back to what Hassan Basri said. He says the reason is that when a person starts to love the dunya, it kills the heart. Uh, and then the person starts to look for dunya even by using ways of the akhirah. Now, I don't want you to think of people doing that. I want us to think about ourselves. Let's not think, yeah, 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 I know somebody who does that, right? That, that's not the point of this. Because then that would just be creating despondency from, from people that we may be learning from. There's no point doing that. The point is to think about our own self, that we don't start doing that. فَعِنْدَ ذَلِكَ تَرْحَلُ عَنْهُ بَرَكَاتُ الْعِلْمِ At that time, the blessings of the knowledge disappear. The blessings of the knowledge are amazing. They carry their own, they carry their own. Now, this is very difficult to even explain to somebody. Because this is getting into a metaphysical kind of side of things. It's only when you're willing to make the sacrifice that you will see that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will benefit you. Because of your sacrifice. But he wants to see your sacrifice first. There's one guy, he decided that he's going to start teaching somewhere some uh, uh, Islamic sciences. And he decided, look, I'm getting some money from elsewhere. And I want to do something for free. So I want to do this for free. It, it was probably worth several thousand pounds a year. If he, if he took the payment for it, right? If he took the payment for it, it would be worth maybe about 10, 12, 14,000 a year. So he's thinking, I've got maybe 10, 12,000 coming in anyway, and I know this would be a, a big hit, but let me just try it. Right? Let me just try it. So what he told the employer is that because he thought to himself, if I say no and then after that I need it, what's going to happen? I don't want to go around begging them again. And, you know. So then he said, look, I'm not going to take any payment right now. If I need it later on, I'll take it. So the only problem with that would be a tax implication. That, that's, that, that's the only difference, right? Because if you take it month by month and if you take it all together, I don't know, there was, he mentioned there was some kind of tax implication, possibly. So it felt really difficult doing that. But he just wanted to test it out to see that if I can do this. But clearly to take a 10, 12,000 hit is a decent amount of money, right? Like even if somebody's making 50,000, take 10,000 hit. 10,000, I mean, that's, what, what can you do? I can do a hajj. Two maybe two hajj. If you do a, check a cheap package, maybe I can do, even do two hajj with that, right? Because your hajj is at least 5,000 nowadays, right? So, okay, two cheap hajj. 
or maybe five umrahs. No, no, more umrahs, more umrahs. I can take my whole family for umrah. Holidays, a new bed, new car maybe. It's, it's, it's a lot of money. You just don't think about that though. I think the idea is just don't think about that kind of stuff. So then he started. And, uh, you know, it's comfortable that if I do need it, I can ask. And mashallah, he says the year passed by. And what's amazing is that Allah started op- opening other forms of income for him. Like other forms of assistance. And now he doesn't even feel bad about it. That's why he said, he said he doesn't even feel bad about it. Meaning, you know, in the beginning he felt bad that, no, am I taking a hit and so on. And then he kept that safety net, right? He said, I don't need to use the inshallah, the safety net anymore. I'm quite comfortable the way things have become now. Right? And this is an example of nowadays, I'm telling you. This is not from Umar anhu's time or Hassan Basri anhu's time. This is this current, you know, this is the current time we're living in. And that's just simple, exa- one example, there's so many people that would... Uh, that, but you have to start. There's another person, he left something to do something else. Again, it's Islamically related. And as soon as he d- did that, again, that was a... The other one, was, he didn't know how much he was going to make there, but it was more important, an Islamic endeavor that was more important. This was a guaranteed salary of, you know... Uh, uh, a full salary. So he left that job, to, to be honest, he left that job. I think he had an imamat job somewhere. So he left that imamat job to start something else. But in there, the salary would be up and down. And subhanAllah, I think within a few weeks, he got an investment opportunity. Right, with a very good return. That some money that he had saved up, he put in there. Ajib, it's amazing. You know, for me, when I hear these stories, I was like, I wish I could do something like this. Right? Because you are satisfied and you don't have to feel burdened, a burden on others. And mashallah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blesses you with that. So these are examples I'm providing from nowadays. These are not previous examples, but they do need that initial, they do need the initial sacrifice. And it, that initial sacrifice means that you're doing it because you believe Allah is going to look after you. I'm doing it for the right reason. And it's not a silly reason. It's not like I'm going to lose all my business, I'm going to get rid of everything, and I'm going to see what Allah gives me. You see what I'm saying? That is not right. That's unless you've got the tawakkul of Ibrahim Because Ibn al-Jawzi says that, he says, I've, you know, he says there's people who do that, they give up everything, they've got a running business maybe, work, they give it all up, and they think, I just want to survive on the absolute minimum. But they're not used to doing that. And then what happens is that in the initial freshness of the whole idea, the vitality of the idea, works for, gets him through one, two, three, four months, and then after he starts missing things, right? That that vitality is gone, that freshness is gone, and then he becomes miserable, and then sometimes it leads to major depression. So, this was done as you know, I know this person is done in a very calculated way, right? And he left the safety net just in case. That's important as well. So you have to be wise about these. Don't do it in crazy ways. Don't just wake up one day and be impacted by a certain event or a certain, and then you just, uh, you know, you can't do that. You have to do it in a safety way just so that you don't, uh, it's not shaitan basically. Then he says, وَعْلَمْ أَنَّ أَرْوَحَ النَّاسِ أَبْدَانًا أَهْلُ الزُّهْدِ فِي الدُّنْيَا He says, know that the most comfortable people the most relaxed people, 
the most tension-free people, right? In terms of body, are the people of zuhud in this dunya, meaning those people who don't love the dunya. They may have the dunya, but they don't love the dunya. There's no problems. There's no. They, they have no nothing to worry about. And the people who are most occupied in their hearts, whose hearts are most occupied with burden, with constant turmoil, and who are mostly engaged, they're always busy, is Ahlul Ihtimami with Dunya, are the people who have the greatest concern for the Dunya. Because look at this, right? If I am doing one business and somebody gives me an opportunity to do another side business or another side investment or whatever it is, I'm going to do that. I have to watch out for it. I have to make sure I follow it up. Especially when you invest with others, generally they seem to disappear, right? Very few people give you reports, right? So you have to chase them up. That sometimes keeps you awake at night. Right, that where's my money gone? Do I trust this guy? It's too lucrative for me to let go, to, to just let it go by. It's all about risk anyway. But then, am I going to get something out of that or not? Somebody tells you to put money into the stock market because these particular stocks or shares are going to, you know, they're really doing v very well right now. And you do that, and then after two <coughs> weeks, that whole oil industry goes down, right? And you lose money. So, the more we have, the more it's going to concern you. So he's saying that the most the, the most uh, assisting character, the most helpful characteristic to have that would help a person from not loving the dunya too much is qisarul amal which means to shorten your hopes you can have hopes but just have shorter hopes not too many <clears throat> you can even have a lot of hopes but as long as they're for the right reason so you can't have just too many dunyawi hopes just shorten them. You need some hope, but just shorten them. Make them manageable. Somebody said to Muhammad ibn Wasi, give me some advice. He said, Usika an takuna malikan fid dunya wal akhirah. Qala kayfa hadha? Qala izhad fid dunya. He said, the advice I give you is that you should become a king of this dunya and the akhirah. You should become an influential ruler of this world and the hereafter. Now that means I must work hard, right? But what he meant it is in the real sense. He said, how am I going to do that? He said, Ab become abstinent of the world. Don't put your heart into the world and you'll be a king of the world because you will, a king, a leader is supposed to not need anything. He's supposed to be so enriched and independent that he doesn't need anything of anyone because he's got everything. So if a person thinks that I don't, I've got my base, we're not talking about having nothing in the house and bare thread, bare carpets, right? That's not what we're talking about. 
we're talking about that we just are sufficed with what we have so the next new car that goes past doesn't make a difference I was in Knightsbridge uh, I had an invitation at somebody's place in Knightsbridge the other day and all you're passing by is just these Bentleys and you know all the rest of it it's like okay I know I can't deal with one of those in Hackney it's going to get scratched anyway so what's the point <laughs> right? Right. seriously right. I went past the these designer hotels and all sorts down there. That's what it is. A designer hotel. What's that? What's that? There's a, a designer company. has got a, its own hotel. It's on Knightsbridge Avenue or whatever it's called in front of the park. Alhamdulillah. That doesn't mean I, you know, that doesn't mean we don't love the world, but it's just like useless. Why should I, why should I want that? There was a really nice one. It had a thing, a Muslim, um, I'm not sure if it was there. It was like a plate, you know, one of those uh, personalized plates as well. It was really nice, right? But I was looking for the guy's house, so I couldn't really pay too much attention. So yes, if you are <coughs> abstinent in this world and in the hereafter, then inshallah, you will become the king of this world and the hereafter. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to suffice us with what He's given us, because I'm sure every one of us here has... Um, enjoys life to a certain degree you know mashallah we have the clothing we want right um, within a certain amount I mean we've got decent clothing we've got decent food we can eat out in decent places when we want to when we need to uh, of course unless you want to do it every day or something like that that could become a bit obsessive there's always more to have but if we're sufficed if we're being sufficed and we have enough in the daytime uh, we have a security, we have enough food for our day. Every day we have enough food. <coughs> Alhamdulillah. <coughs> what more do you want? Yes. Is it wrong to want more? It depends on how you want it. There's nothing wrong with wanting more, but it depends on what you have to do to want it and how obsessed you're by it and what sacrifices of the deen and spirituality and uh, we have to make for it. So it's not as simply as saying don't want more. Right. If you want more so that you can, for example, a person who's into a relief organization and he wants more because he can help more people, well, that's a good more that he wants. Because he doesn't want it for himself. But then not to say that if we, don't, if we want more for myself, uh, it depends on what's more now, how much is more. More is a very relative term. Yeah, that's a, that, that, that's a really bad addiction. Right? If, you, if you've got a mobile phone and it's working, and you don't need another one, then I would, nev I would think that it would be a waste to upgrade just for the sake of upgrading. Right? The problem is that they do start deteriorating after two years. I mean, the battery starts going. And then they don't let you change the battery because it's built in. So that gets complicated. So then you're forced to buy it. It's planned obsolescence anyway. Right. So that gets a bit complicated. So that justifies for you to buy it. Or they justify it for you to buy it. I don't like changing phones because it's just too much hassle trying to take everything over to the next one. Right. <coughs> I personally just think that you should just go and buy the best thing out there so that it lasts for a very long time anyway. When you can. And men should help their women in that, in that sense. So if your wives or women at home are doing ironing, 
So I think it's completely justified that you spend about 100 to 150, 60 pounds to buy one of those steam ones. You know, those big steam generator ones. Because they just make the job much easier. Why do you want them to start ironing for five hours instead of you can do it in two hours? And what the ulama have written is that it's the man's responsibility to buy everything. You know, it's a husband-wife relationship to buy everything for the wife. So that would mean in other countries, most countries, they would have servants. So it would be his responsibility to pay for all of that. We don't have servants because it's too expensive for us because you have to pay them the same amount you pay for yourself. Right? So our servants are a washing machine. Uh, the other day I asked somebody, talking about dishwashers, what's a dishwasher? Right? What's a dishwasher? So it's like, you don't know what a dishwasher is? He says, no, nobody's got one. He says in his family there's nobody that has one. But it's a very convenient aspect. If you've got a big family, then dishwashers are very convenient. Why would you want the women washing the dishes for? Especially if they're busy doing other things. Uh, for men, they think that they're just going to get lazy if they so keep... Uh, literally, th this is what uh, somebody came and told my wife. Uh, that her, uh, she, she basically didn't want to go home early that day. Although she'd finished early, she didn't want to go home early. Because she said, if he sees me at home early, he's going to give me a whole list of things to do. Because he thinks you get lazy. She does a lot of work. I know that personally myself. Right? She does a lot of work. But the husband just has this idea that she doesn't do enough work. With me, with my wife, I've told her, you buy your rotis. You don't have to make them. Because she teaches. Right? She's teaching for the deen. She's got kids to look after. So uh, you don't have to follow my example. right? And uh, Don't think I'm messing up your wives here. Right? <laughs> but I've just said, look, you don't have to make the roti. Go and buy them. Because now you have these supplies and they're not that expensive. So just buy the rotis. Right? You want to get a good iron, go ahead and get a good iron, right? You want to get a good washing machine, go ahead and get, get one. Use the facility. Of course, then you'll say, but my wife likes to do this. She just watches TV all day or she's just online all day. Well, that's a different issue then. Then I don't know what you can do. Then that's a different issue, right? But my wife doesn't do that. So I'm saying, okay, then you just, you know. Because even Hazrat Sheikh Zakaria, rahmatullahi alayhi, in Ramadan especially, he said, why should we make the women cook so much? He said that we used to only tell them to cook one dish, like a curry, right? He says the samosa, whatever, we used to order from outside. The rotis, the naans, we used to order from outside. And he said, that's it. It was simple. Right? So that kind of stuff, I don't think. If you need something, for example, um, uh, I may have told you this before, but my... Because I, I used before I started teaching here, I, I used to do uh, most of my day spent on the computer doing writing and so on. So your arm, you know, you get the what you call that the carpal tunnel syndrome, whatever it's called, right? So I spent over two hundred pounds. Uh, it's worth. Uh, I got it cheaper. I got it for just about a hundred pounds on this special keyboard tray that you can basically and the mouse that you can basically put in any position you want. Then my chair, right, my, my chair that I have at home is worth about 950 pounds, which is just a crazy amount, I know. I got it for 170, which is still expensive. But because you're sitting on there for so long, you don't want to start getting... You can literally, that chair is such that it's RH400. You can check it up online if you're interested. It, it was supposed to be better than the Herman Miller chairs which are like the standard, right? Basically what these are is that 
you can literally adjust every part of the chair right the armrest put them back forward out out in the back there's a lumbar support everything so I got it you know mashallah uh, online somewhere for very cheap for seven, 170 pounds uh, which is a very good price so you can understand that if you need something for utility it's fine but th if somebody looks at the chair they're not going to believe it was it's worth that much it, it's not a flashy chair see what I'm saying so I believe if you're going to get something for utility like there's a jacket that's very it's there's a certain you know purpose of it right you can get that jacket as long as it's not just for showing off so likewise if you're going to get a phone for the utility of it get it but as long as it's not for showing off do things for yourself don't do it for others right do it for the health of yourself for the benefit of yourself eat good food if you want like you know go and spend in you know go and shop in Okado if you want right or wherever it is that you shop buy expensive things but just just take it easy on them so I think that's mainly what we need to be concerned about inshallah exactly wanting and needing something because we live in a time of consumerism it's a massive problem we have right now it's a time of consumerism and um, it's not going to last long because they're already saying that uh, when it comes to Christianity this is a Peter Hitchens who is a Christian brother of the atheist Christopher Hitchens so his brother Peter is a Christian mm -hmm. so he's complaining he's telling the Christians he said what we've done essentially in the West is that we've pulled out religion from everywhere we've stripped religion away from public places from schools from workplaces, from uh, even the media, for that matter, uh, like the mainstream media, they, there's no, they, they only talk negatively and sensationally about religion. There's nothing positive, hardly anyway. So he says, right now everybody's in materialism, but people are becoming completely disenfranchised, and they're getting tired of it. So now, when they turn around to look for something, they're not going to find Christianity anymore. They're going to find Islam. Mm -hmm. He says because Muslims are the only ones that are disproportionately uh, practicing, right? Among Muslims, if you look at faith, people with faith, Muslims are disproportionately practicing people, right? <clears throat> you have ten people who are Christian, ten people who are Muslim. Seven of the Muslims probably may be practicing, if not, or maybe five. But in the Christians, how many are going to be practicing, right? So the other, the other thing they've done is that in Christianity, <coughs> even the Christianity that still exists, in order to increase numbers and attract people, they've started chipping away and diluting a lot of the, especially the difficult things, you know, the lenient fatwas as such, right? They've done that to Christianity already. And the, this is not just Peter Hitchens now, this is somebody else the other day said that, that I heard them saying that. And what that's done is that that's had the adverse effect that if it's just a feel-good factor, why do we need to good, uh, come here? Because there's a lot of other better, easier, feel-good, more enjoyable, feel-good places. You, you can go to a club, you can go to a party, you can go read a book, you can just watch YouTube. There's so many feel-good factors. Why does a religion need to be a feel-good factor? So then Peter Hitchens, I think it's him who says about this, that in Islam, they still have those rigors and strictures, because that's what people are looking for. Not everybody, 
but the ones who are looking, they're looking for strictures. And if uh, he says, but then even in Muslims, they've got people who are trying to chip away, right? So that's why these ideas, right? It, this really opened up my eyes that these ideas of trying to like just cut away, chip away at difficulties within the religion, it's disingenuous. It's going to have the adverse effect anyway, right? I think it's just the fact that there's a guilt that I can't practice, but I want to stay a Muslim. So let me just conform the religion to my idea. That's not always the reason. The other reason is that they think that these things people won't accept. So for Islam to have a better public face, let's get rid of this stuff. Oh, that's not really Muslim. That's not really Islam. That's the difficulty. So generally I'm telling them, look, you got to living in a free world. Go ahead and start a new religion. It's not a problem. You know, maybe go to Chelsea and do it there. You might even have a more faddish kind of idea. Start a religion in Chelsea, made in Chelsea kind of religion. Right? That's what I mean. Like if you're going to do that, that's fine. But leave this religion alone. If you can't practice it, it's fine. Right? Practice as much as you can. Um, fear Allah as much as you can. And ask Allah for forgiveness for the rest. We are all weak. <coughs> we are all weak. Even if people like me may be overtly, outwardly you know, doing, uh, practicing, that doesn't mean that we're perfect. It's easy sometimes to do that. But every one of us are basically challenged. We ask Allah for tawfiq, we ask Allah to give us more taqwa. Allahumma anta salam wa minka salam tabarak diyadil jalali wa likram. Allahumma ya hayyu ya qayyum bi rahmatika nastaghir. Allahumma ya hannan ya mannan la ilaha illa anta subhanaka inna kunna minal thalimeen. Allahumma salli wa sallim ala sayyidina Muhammad wa ala ahli sayyidina Muhammad wa barik wa sallim. Allahumma khfil lana wa rahamna wa aafina wa ahdina wa zuqna. Allahumma khfil lana wa rahamna wa aafina wa ahdina wa zuqna. اللهم اغفر لأمتي سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم اللهم اغفر للمسلمين والمسلمات والمؤمنين والمؤمنات الأحياء منهم والأموات والله we ask you to forgive our sins والله we ask that you forgive our wrongdoings our excesses والله our misunderstandings our misrepresentations والله we ask that you purify our hearts you purify our gaze you purify our ears you purify everything that we do O oh Allah, make us of those who are close to you. O oh Allah, grant us your love and the love of those whose love benefits us in your court. O oh Allah, we ask that you keep us away from all of those things that are harmful for us. O oh Allah, we ask that you, you allow us to only indulge in those things which please you. O oh Allah, that you take our obsession away from those things which are harmful and that are distracting for us. Oh Allah, sometimes it is very difficult. Oh Allah, there's such a such an attraction, such an allure of these things. Oh Allah, we ask that you grant us strength and do not allow our nafs to go after these things. Oh Allah, do not our, allow our egos to be infatuated with these things and to be filled and with the obsession of these things. Oh Allah, we ask that you accept from us whatever little that we that we do, oh Allah, we ask that you give us the tawfiq to do a lot more. Oh Allah, that you increase us in your worship, you increase us in your shukr, you increase us in your gratitude, you increase us in your remembrance. 
Oh Allah, keep us safe and grant us security and give security and safety to all those uh, all those who are being oppressed in the world and remove that oppression from them. Oh Allah, allow us to be of those who are useful in this world. Oh Allah, allow us to be the doors of goodness as opposed to the doors of being the doors of evil. Oh Allah, there are many haram and wrong things out there that we can easily get involved in. Oh Allah, we ask that you protect us from these things. Oh Allah. Reward all of those who, and forgive all of those who are here and do not allow us to be returned without being forgiven. Oh Allah, we spend these these few moments every few every every two weeks. Oh Allah, we ask that you accept this from us and you make this a source of closeness to you. You make this a source of light for us in the weeks to come. And oh Allah, make the rest of our life better than the previous part of our life. And oh Allah, make us just better day by day. And oh Allah, grant us health and grant us uh, barakah and blessing in all of our permissible projects and oh Allah we ask that you grant us the kalima la ilaha illallah on our deathbed and you protect us and our children and our progenies until the day of judgment oh Allah send your abundant blessings on our messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and grant us his company in the hereafter subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun wa salamun ala al-mursaleen